Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Simply Soccer. I'm Michelle Hutink, your host, and of course, my co-host Christian Conway is with me. Good evening. Happy Halloween for all of you. And uh, yeah. we're going to talk about something uh, very scary called the LA Galaxy defense here in a little bit. All Hallows Eve. <laughs> Eve. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but before we do that, something even more terrifying is the U.S. men. Uh, yeah, Eve. that's that's also a uh, that's also a, a bit of a terrifying topic. <laughs> yes. So, of course, you guys, we are bringing this to you um, with. I mean, I want to say, like disheartened but at the same time for for galaxy fans it's like it's more like heartbroken right um but when it comes to us men it's like we're done um but berhalter came out with uh with a letter saying apologizing to the supporters for not thanking them and he said he was angry and then he went on with this history of you know that he wore the kit in 94 and um you know you know, of course, vows to do to do better. But um, I mean, you, <laughs> you you know he's going to be the first after the final whistle goes in Orlando. He is going to be beelining it straight over to where the American Outlaws are. Like, are, he's going to be the first one over there and the last one to leave. I think um, in, on, on November fifteenth. Um, I mean, this is we'll get into the US women's team and, and the hiring of Vlatko uh, Adonovsky oh, today. Definitely. But we wanted to start with the scary. Yeah, I just we wanted just wanted to get this out of the way, I think. Um I mean he had to do this. I think there's no question about that. Um I think I would have preferred it in video form, but that's kind of just a, a me thing. But do they do that? Have they um, done that? They haven't really, he hasn't released it in video form. He just, he, he did it in the letter. I, I get the feeling that Bearholzer's not really a guy that feels comfortable in front of camera. And I feel like he, I think, I think he's one of those people that expresses himself a little bit better in terms of being able to write out what he's thinking rather than saying it from a camera. I think, I think every interaction I've seen with him on TV or whatever seems very like stilted and a little bit, I'm not going to say dis, or uh, he's not a warm personality that comes across over camera. Like I'm sure you know, one-on-one situations, he's probably a very warm guy, but just and on camera, I don't think it comes across. But Well, speaking of that, you had told me before we started recording, too, that, you know, he never really ingratiated himself into... Yeah, he never he never sold himself. The and supporters. I, yeah. And I've, and I've said it on the pod before, I said, the one thing that you, as a national team coach, because you're not getting in front of the supporters every week, it's only, you know, two times in the span of, like, seven days every, you know, three months, is you've got to be able to the minute you are your hiring is announced, you have to be able to sell yourself and really give out a personality that the fans will always feel is very, you know, open and very honest and very, you know, vivacious and whatnot. And Greg Berhalter is not that guy. And I don't think can play that guy, if that makes sense. Like he, he, he he's not good enough or he, his acting skills aren't good enough to act the part of this very, you know, open and bombastic kind of character to the fans. And I think, I think that's part of the reason why a lot of U.S. fans have turned on him this early into his tenure as U.S. men's national team head coach. Because I just don't think he's he ever sold himself to the fans to the point where he had a following that was excited about him. And I, and I think it's partially because of the way that the hiring process went. We've, we've discussed the hiring process at ad nauseum. It's, I mean, we, we have. And I was going to say that we've also uh, discussed, you know, how he got the job and and how he's not done well yeah um, not 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 to make me believe that 
I mean, definitely I think that we'll qualify, but it's it's not a comforting feeling that, that we're headed in the right direction and we're on track, you know, to where we want to be at all on par. Like, it's like you feel like you took two steps back. Yeah, and he had to come in and, and kind of uplift uh, a national team fan base that was very much in the in the dumps after missing out in, in on that night in Trinidad Tobago. And I think he's just never really yeah. gotten it. Um, I think this is a positive step forward for him. And I think, I think he's starting to realize that I didn't really sell myself very well. <laughs> like, and I, and, and I mean, I'll say it, it better late than ever. Um, and, and I'm, and then I also, I, I yeah, think, it's a good letter. Yeah. Know? And I think a lot of the stick he gets is, is I don't think it's necessarily hatred of the man himself. I think it's more frustration at the Federation and because, uh, Carlos Cordero and Ernie Stewart and all those guys that, are directly responsible for his hiring are not very public figures. They don't come out very often and speak to the, like speak to the fans, speak to the media, you know, they'll, they'll do the canned, you know, media quotes, but that's about it. Um, I think that the fans can't show frustration to the people that they want to show frustration to. And so therefore I think bear halter gets a fair amount of the brunt of, of that frustration. That's fair. That's a fair assessment. I'd say, um, I mean, likewise, like we said, I, you know, we don't think he's going to be going anywhere, and we still have. I mean, qualifiers are right around the corner. But this is also, this is also the same situation that U.S. Soccer found itself with Jurgen Klinsmann near the end of Jurgen Klinsmann's Yeah, tenure. that's you what know, I was going to say. We're, this is nothing that we're this, unfamiliar with. Ernie Stewart can't fire the guy because he's tied his entire legitimacy as GM of U.S. Soccer to. Greg Berhalter. He can't fire him because it basically says, "Oh, the most important hire." In my first hire, I got completely wrong. Like, um, if he had a, a little bit more of a measure of goodwill, if the Federation had a little bit more of a measure of goodwill with the fans, then maybe he can make that. But I don't think he, he can. Like, I think he's he's a little bit trapped. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think we're all kind of stuck with each other. So it's like, this is the the hand that we were dealt. Now, what do we do with this? I, I mean, like I said, I just want to see consistency. It's hard for me to, to look at past games and then look at what's coming November 15th and, and feel like I know what's coming other than maybe Jesse's artists coming in, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I also, I think it is telling that, you know, the, the comparison of some of these players, you know, the way they, they looked, frustrated, confused, and at times just lost on the field against Canada. And then they go to their club teams the next weekend and, you know, Pulisic looks like he's having the time of his life and like, you know, and what Jordan Morris with his hat tricks. Yeah, like. And like it, these players are having fun now. And it's like, you want to have a national team that they're having that same amount of fun when they come in from their clubs. And I, that's, I, I think it, Bearhalter kind of has to. I, I think Bear, I think Bearhalter has to make some concessions in terms of the way that he does things in order to kind of rebuild the fun, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it'll help that uh, Sergino's decided to to come on the eighteen yeah. year old. I when he said he was IX, yeah. when he said he was announcing it in a Dutch paper, I was like, oh, that's it. All right, <laughs> you guys got to <laughs> go mean, over there. <laughs> I I really thought that he was going to choose them, um, even though they didn't qualify either. Yeah, but for, they're they're in a much better place than they were, you know, four, five, six years ago. Yeah, um, definitely. Kind of the 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 young generation's finally taken taken the reins and is and is starting to to show the promise that uh, we all thought they they had. Yeah, well, and I thought that's what we were going to start doing too. So. Yeah, that's I think what we all thought. Yeah. 
I mean, again, we'll just, you know, moving forward, looking forward. I mean, that's what, that's what I'm always doing. I, I know that there's a lot of factors and a lot of things, but it's like, again, this is, this is what we got. So, you know, yeah, we can harp on the problems all day, but I'm a solution-based person. And I just say, okay, so what are we doing right? What, what can we do moving forward? And like you said, with this letter, I feel like Berhalter's site is making an effort. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think this and is a step a, forward. Yeah, it's, it's a positive. It's a positive move forward, and then I'm 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 good on him. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. So U.S. women got a new coach, new head coach to replace Jill Ellis. Yep. Uh, Vlatko and uh, Andonovsky. Um, he's his story is 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 very interesting. Um, he grew up in the former Yugoslavia and what is now um, North Macedonia in Skopje. Um, he previously, uh, he came to the States after playing in, uh, the first Macedonian football league. Um, he played with clubs such as, uh, Rabinici, um, and FK Vardar, which is kind of their biggest club. Um, he moved to, uh, in 2000, he moved to the States to play for Wichita in the NPSL, um, letter paid for, um, the indoor, uh, former indoor soccer league in this country, the major indoor soccer league, which then would turn into, uh, MASL, that as we know it today. Um, he then became an assistant head coach or an assistant coach at the Kansas City Comets while he was playing. Uh, then became head coach of the Kansas City Comets, um, which was the indoor team that, uh, that he had formerly played for. Um, in 2013, uh, he was hired by FC Kansas City, um, which was the N- oh yeah NW- NWSL team in um, in Kansas at the time. Um, yeah, that no longer exists. Yeah, that then uh, moved to Utah and became the Utah Royals, I believe. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, uh, they did. Yeah. But uh, he, uh, I think a lot of people kind of maligned that hiring um, because it's it's kind of like, oh, you just picked an indoor soccer coach to be head coach of an 11 side team. You know, like that, that's not going to work. But um, he did a lot of good in Kansas City with. Uh, not a lot. Um, and uh, a lot of a lot of players uh, stayed in Kansas City because they wanted to work with him because he was so likable. And um, from everything I've read about him, he's an obsessive soccer mind. Like he'll study film for hours and hours on end. Like he doesn't sleep a lot because he's usually thinking and focused and and, you know, coming up with tactical, you know, things. And, and, and he's he's a, a lot of players have said that he is one of the best coaches they've ever worked with because he's so invested in his players. Like he wants them to succeed. And, and that's, you know, as a player, you always want to have a coach that's per, like, that's personally invested in your success. And that's what Vlatko Adnanovsky apparently, or Vlatko Adnanovsky apparently brings. Um, he then moved to the rain in 2018 um, and uh, has been there since. Um, he kind of, he pulled off a miracle this year in the rains season. Um, they suffered, a fair amount of injuries. They lost a lot of players to the World Cup. Um, they had a lot of players come back from the World Cup and not be able to play, most notably Megan Rapino. Um, he pulled them to a fourth-place finish. Uh, they kept it really tight against probably, I'd argue, the greatest women's team right now in soccer in the North Carolina Courage. They kept it tight for 90 minutes. They actually scored the first goal in the extra time period in the 93rd minute. Um, and then they unfortunately lost 4-1, I think mainly because I, I, I think the effort of the season finally caught up and uh, it just, you know, when, when, when kind of you, you realize, oh, wow, we've been running on these legs on for a very long time under very stressful circumstances. And then that pain and everything starts to come it you're never going to get it back. You're never getting that second one back. Um, 
And so I, th- I think this is is probably the best hire. Um, and uh, I know there was there was there was some chatter of some other candidates, but as as far as I'm concerned, sometimes I think we have a thing sometimes, especially in soccer, is that sometimes we always feel the obvious or we feel the obvious choice isn't necessarily the best choice because it's the obvious choice. If that makes sense. Yeah. And in this case, I think the obvious choice was the best choice. And I think they made the correct choice. I first kind of caught wind of this back in uh, October, on October 14th. Um, and I, I know that the rain has always been a team that, that, you know, you make a point that you want to go up and see play. So um, to hear that, that he's being chosen for us women's, I mean, as soon as they got, announcement of their new uh president i was like okay like a coach is gonna follow pretty quickly um i mean he i mean we'll have to see uh which which women come back to play as well um but i think he's i mean you know there's already four world cups in in a history i mean i don't i don't see how he wouldn't be able to do well with with the roster you know, especially with young players like, uh, you know, coming up. Yeah. And 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 I think I think they hired him because he's worked with so many World Cup veterans. He knows them. He's worked with Becky Sauerbrunn, for example, Megan Rapino, Ali Long. He worked mm-hmm. with, with uh, you know, some names back in the day, Lauren Holiday, for example. I mean, he, he basically saved Lauren Holiday's national team career. Um, he's I think the, the reason they hired him was they have to know what's coming in terms of this generational change that's about to happen in the U S national team. And it has derailed national team coaching careers of previous coaches before Tom Sermani, for example, basically had a mutiny against him because he told older players that he wasn't, he, he, they needed to move on and he got fired for it. So I think the biggest challenge right now for Andonovsky is this kind of, this conversation that he's going to have to have with some of these players that, you know, it's time for you to move on. And, I think him being very and being very well known in the NWSL circles and in the US women's national team circles, um, it's that's a very that's a very beneficial thing. I think they hired a players coach and they needed to. They I, I mean, tactically he's very tactically he's very gifted and, and his his teams play very fun, exciting style of soccer. But I think they probably were looking more at the way that his connections around the national team and that they weren't going to rock. He, he, if he, when he rocks the boat, he's going to rock the boat in a way that's very respectful to everyone involved. I've heard from uh, my media, female media counterparts that uh, he's, he's likable and he's really friendly, especially when it comes to speaking to the media. So I look forward to covering yeah, uh, it, about, about this and getting to interview him. That would be really insightful. And if you look at his and, and, and kind of to, to, Compared to the Bear Halter hiring, for example, I was talking earlier about how the Bear Halter hiring, like the press conference that where he was introduced, felt really stilted, like a little bit mm. kind of. It, it didn't feel warm. It didn't feel. It felt like, okay, like I have to answer these questions. I'm just going to answer these questions and then get me out of here because I don't. I'd much rather be somewhere else. Right. Um, but Vlatko came across in this introductory press conference as incredibly warm. He was gregarious. He was, you know he was interacting with media people that he had known throughout his time in the NWSL and he was kind of cracking jokes. He was, he was, he, he sold himself to us soccer fans and he did a very good job of it. And I, I think that's, that's why I think like, I think, I think obviously everyone looks at his record in NWSL and looks at, at the time he's, he's put in and, and kind of 
the X's and O's and, and, and it's positive, but it's that sense that he's, he's likable, he's personable. And like, there's a, a level he's, he, he hit, or he kind of hit the nail on the head where he basically said, like, I want to have a level of accountability with you, with the media and with the fans. Like, I want that. I seek that. So like, if I'm ever not doing good enough, I want to be told that. So I know like I need to improve. And that, that's, I mean, this is the biggest job in, in, in at, at least on the women's side in the world for soccer. I'd argue it's one of the biggest jobs in soccer, men's and women's in general, just considering the pressure yeah. and the expectation and especially who he's following. Yeah. And, and what the U S women's national team stands for in terms of, of right. social equality and stuff like that it is a very daunting job for anyone, especially, you know, and, and for a guy that's never had international experience, it's it gotta be doubly daunting. But I think, I think he's, he, he's so personable and so likable that I think it's actually going to work out perfectly. Like, Crystal Dunn uh, told the story, um, Edinovsky, after the game in uh, where the rain uh, lost to the Courage, um, you know, there, there's like the mixed zone where, you know, every, all, all the players and, and yeah. media, whatever. And apparently uh, the first thing that Edinovsky did after, you know, comforting his players was he went over to Crystal Dunn and congratulated her for like her fantastic World Cup and like, like wanted to talk with her about the World Cup and stuff like that. And Crystal Dunn said like he just lost to my team. Like he had no, like he didn't have to do that. Like she was like, I didn't expect it. Like that's, that to me is kind of the kind of person that we're getting with Vlatko is that guy that's very much very personable and will recognize and, and, and wants to recognize good work and make sure that it's praised and, 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 you know, noted. Yeah. Man, you know, uh, managing the players, uh, helping world-class players reach their peak, uh, inspire his teams, you know, to win championships. I mean, he's one of the most accomplished coaches and I'm reading uh, from the press release that, you know, he said it's a huge honor and I'm very excited to get started with this group of players and staff as we work towards continued success for this program. All the talented coaches and players that have come before have built a legendary tradition of excellence and I'm committed to working very hard to continue to move this program forward. And I just, I, I believe him, <laughs> you know, it seems yeah. sincere. He's yeah. And, and, and the thing is, the other thing that I, I like about him compared to Jill Ellis is that Jill Ellis was a pretty dogmatic coach when it came to tactics. Like it was her way and we were going to do things her way. Yeah. She, was, she was, she was going to fit, she was going to fit square pegs into round holes and hope that it all worked out. And I can hear it, Jamie from China now. <laughs> it, luckily, it luckily did. And Danoski has, I, he's got tactical principles, but he doesn't have like a formation and a tactical and like, this is our tactical identity. We do not stray away from it. Like he plays possession oriented, you know, attacking soccer, but it can be in different formations. He can put players in different positions and allow them to succeed. Um, there's this uh, there's this quote from uh, Leanne Brown, uh, who was on the uh, on his title winning teams in Kansas City. Uh, she said uh, one of the great things with him when people uh, say what kind of style did uh, style did you play? Well, yeah, we like to keep the ball, but he was smart enough to know that if we win the ball in transition and they have a high line, absolutely we're going direct. That's how we're going to put the ball in the back of the net because he had such a knowledge for the game and so much prep work was done. No matter who we played, he had it almost figured out already, and that. If a former player is saying that, that is a very good quote to have in your corner. Yeah. Yeah, I'm all about it. I'm excited. Uh, I know World Cup qualifiers will be coming sooner. sooner. Yeah, they, yeah they're, got, they're coming. They've got the, they've got the Olympic qual, uh, qualifying coming Thank up. you, Olympic um, qualifiers. Next week, next week, they'll play two friendlies um, that I'd say are mostly meaningless. It's basically going to be – I wouldn't expect too many shocks in terms of – I, I, I'd be surprised if a lot of the national team that went to the uh, the World Cup and won shows up just because load management. Um, but you'll see a lot of familiar faces in that in those two games. 
Um, he's hosting a camp in December that's going to be um, that none of the World Cup alumni are going to be on. Um, and he basically said, I don't mean that with any disrespect. They've been playing like all year. Like they need time, you know. Um, and I think it's going to allow him to identify a little bit. I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad he's taking that initiative because it allows him to identify new talent and really get this really exciting young crop of, of American players, give them a chance to, to show their stuff because, you know, being on the U S women's national team is a, not just an honor, but it, it affords a certain economic and, 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 and it benefits that, you know, these mm-hmm. players desperately want, cause you know, they, they want to make this their dream. So um, I'm excited to see, I think, I think the November, the two November games, he's only going to have a few days to work with them. So I wouldn't be surprised if tactically it looks a little bit, you know, all over the place. Um, yeah, of course. But just because he's only going to have like three days to work with them. Um, but I think the December camp is going to be the one where I'm going to start really watching with some interest to see where he goes in terms of the players that he calls in that aren't the ones that we we've known for a very long time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it's it's a fantastic hiring. I'm I'm very excited. Same. So, LA Galaxy. Let us be. Let us begin the postmortem. <laughs> let us begin. Uh, let's all light a candle and uh, <laughs> cue the uh, uh, Chopin. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, we wanted to specifically talk defenders or what we feel was lack thereof defending. <laughs> um, you know. Polenta got Defender of the Year. Uh, we feel like, obviously, David Bingham, who is our last line of defense, I mean, he came up with the biggest saves um, of the season. I mean, which is, like, really wonderful for him, but at the same time, like, he shouldn't have to be working that hard. Um, and then we really wanted Jonathan Dos Santos to be Defender of the Year, even though it's not his position officially. So, um, you know, our, uh, you know, as I was preparing to record, I was looking back on, I mean, the whole season, like from the start, you know, because because especially when there's problems, <laughs> you want to look back. As a sports fan, you don't want to look too far back because, um, you know, you're always on to the next one. But since that's what we're doing, you know, reflecting now, you know, um, remember Didi Traore? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and THA, uh, <laughs> Thomas Hiller, I say, like... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, and then, uh, of course, Jorgen Schelvik, who everybody was just, like, so happy to see him benched. Um, you know, uh, Araujo didn't get enough time. Romney finally got pulled downstairs. I felt it was always solid. Felcher, you know, against LAFC, he's always proven himself, as he proved himself with that goal on the last he, he, match, he had, you know? He had an up-and-down season. Let's, let's, he didn't... He wasn't... He wasn't consistent but when he was good he was good right because exactly and you know uh shout out to daisy we all know you love him um but it, it just wasn't, you know, uh rolf rolf called her uh his favorite la galaxy fan so yeah that was amazing um cool. i know of course she cried i mean i don't blame her i would too if i were <laughs> her so like i mean you know and and you know people can joke and say his man button got in the way of a lot of the defending or whatever but um, I mean, yeah, like you said, it was, it, I mean, it's almost like we've, but who else were you going to put back there? That was always, always, always the question. Who are you going to replace him with? You know, you can, you know, go with three of the back instead and, and play a different kind of format. And, you know, people Gonzalez comes in and you push him up. And, uh, speaking of people, I went back and looked at, 
um, that game against Colorado, I think it was back in May. And, you know, when he was, yeah, back on May 19th, yes, we ended up losing that game. But remember when he, like, off the line saved saved from Colorado scoring? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, that was the kind of – and that was not the only time that he had done that because I remember he had done it for another match after that. And it's just like – he just he just had so much potential and you know I, I know a lot of people are like down on him about it about about yeah how he's been playing lately. Um, I'm 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 gonna start at at the the end of the field which is the goalkeeping position. Um, yeah. I think you know there's not a lot to say about Lamson. I mean he had that fantastic uh, what was it was the League's Cup was it what was it was called? It was the League's Cup. Yeah. Yeah, he had a fantastic time in that penalty shootout. Um, he, you know, he, he's a serviceable backup keeper. Um, he's a, um, I mean, he's all, he's, his story is really, really awesome. Um, yeah. I wanted to see him more to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, he runs for those of you who don't know, he runs a, uh, foundation called the lamp strong foundation, which, um, provides financial, emotional, financial, emotional, and motivational support to cancer patients, survivors, and their families. Um, cause he, he is one himself. Yeah. He is a cancer survivor. He's a, He's, uh, you know, it's, it's his, his story is really awesome. He's got a fantastic, he's had a fantastic career despite having, you know, a lot of, a lot of horrible things thrown at him. Um, and, uh, he, um, you know, he, he, I'm, I'm glad he's, he's settled on his feet with us and, um, yeah, you know, I mean, the thing is he didn't get a lot of league time because David Bingham was so good. Um, right. and, uh, you know, it took David Bingham kind of suffering a, a, a fluky injury for him to start. Um, you know, he wasn't. Great, but I, in that game, I don't think any Galaxy player was particularly great. That was the Vancouver game. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm. He's yeah. If, and if you have uh, a spare chain or spare amount of money to donate, definitely consider donating it to the Lamstrong Foundation. For David Bingham, I mean, he faced 195 shots. He saved 141 of those. That's a phenomenal amount of of saves considering shot volume. I mean, I'm looking down the stat list and he's, he faced the most shots of any goalkeeper in MLS this year. Yeah. He just wasn't up for golden glove. Yeah. I mean, the problem is he was, I I have no idea how he wasn't up for gold. Like, I mean, I guess it's goals against average is the one thing that they look at. And Vito Manone's goals against average is 1.26, which is absolutely crazy. But, you know, like David Bingham, I know people malign him and I know people, bury him but you look at a lot of the stats that you know in terms of shots faced saves you know saves goals against whatever David Bingham was up there amongst the league elite he just the volume of shots he faced you know the Galaxy conceded 55 goals but I don't I mean it could have been so much worse had David Bingham not been in goal and absolutely I don't even know where we would have been yeah I mean he he had a fantastic you know a fantastic season and I think uh, I hope I hope he gets the recognition for it that he deserves. And I, I thought he deserved uh, defensive. See, I think they call it defender of the year. And so therefore it should be, they feel it should be given to an outfield player. I'd like for it to be renamed defensive player of the year. Cause I think it opens it to goalkeepers and defensive midfielders, because then I think David Bingham wins that award. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I agree. Uh, Cause what they're going to, they <laughs> the golden glove that we're going to decide between Matt Latson and David Bingham. Hmm, I wonder who wins it. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, David had a fantastic season. Um, I, I think, I think he, if, if he gets a more confident defense in front of him, I think we'll be talking about David Bingham in the Golden Glove conversation, you know, sooner rather than later. I think he's got that kind of talent. 
Um, and then I guess center back out to wing back, I guess is kind of how we should do this. Okay. Um, I'm excited to see what Hilliard Arce can bring. Um, he had a fantastic career at Stanford. Uh, he was captain, I believe, three of the four years he was there. Um, he won a lot of titles. He won three national titles with them. Um, he's he's good. Um, I'm a little bit bummed he hasn't gotten a look in. Um, I know kind of if you look at the center backs, I mean, Diego Polenta, Giancarlo Gonzalez, Daniel Steres, Romney, who could play pretty much any position. Mm-hmm. There isn't a lot of room for him in that conversation, but he had a decent season with Los Dos. I think he's kind of finally getting his footing, and um, I think they'll, they'll probably give him a shot next year in camp, um, a pretty solid shot. Um, Daniel Starris had a, had a good year this year, I thought. Um, he wasn't – I wouldn't say any center back on this Galaxy team was great, but in terms of what he offered, he's – I think we quietly all didn't really realize Daniel Stair is quietly evolved into an MLS call, like high quality MLS center back. Like he's, and a goal scorer before. Yeah, he's, uh, <laughs> he's a monster in the air on set pieces. Um, mm-hmm. I think, I think he's, I think in terms of how you're going to build this defense next year, I think he's going to be, a, I think, I think the center back pairing of Polenta and Stair is, is going to stay together. I think that's just, that's going to be your center back pairing next year. And oh. I, but and Polenta, I, I know we're like kind of jumping ahead, but he didn't have a good game on the, that last game. You get like the giveaways though. Did anyone on the defense have a good game against LAFC? No, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. They, no. They make a good game. Um, no. <laughs> so, Fair enough. <laughs> this is my my kind of my my complaint with GBS. This one of my complaints with GBS this season, and I know we'll kind of in in a few weeks' well, time we'll get into the intangibles yeah. episode where we talk about coaching and we talk about front office stuff and stuff like that. But I don't think Daniel Starez or Diego Polenta or Giancarlo Gonzalez really had time to get comfortable with their defensive partners. I was going to say it's a transition period when these guys joined us. Yeah, and, like, I, I keep thinking, like, you know, if, if you know, Polenta and Starez have a full preseason together, or if, if we walk into game one of the season with a fully defined, this is the center back pairing that we have been playing consistently with in preseason, in training, and they know each other, they've worked with each other week in, week out, day in, day out. Then I think it's, you know, center backs need that kind of chemistry. And I don't think we ever really got that this year with with a Galaxy center back pairing. It was just consistently trying to find the right answer and plugging in players that didn't either work together or were two similar types of center backs to make it really work. And and playing think, people out of their position. Well, yeah, I mean, John Carlo Gonzalez. Comfort is zone, yeah. yeah. Carlo Gonzalez is not a left back. Like, that. that's just not thing he's not fast enough and and he's well technically Romney's not fast enough either from what we saw not that anybody had a good game against LAFC but there have been times where you you know I was much happier to see Romney back there but well, the thing is the thing is I think in that game I guess well, we were slow in our back line they, yeah and the, I mean Rolf Ultra was was the fastest in the in the back line Rolf Ultra's quick um but I think well I think what happened with Romney in, in that game especially was what happened to every Galaxy player in that game which was that they were getting pulled up field and then lafc was just hitting the space that they left open um but my, my brain when you were talking about felcher just went straight back to houston as well <laughs> like i yeah you I, know. I mean there's games you can point to where Rolf felcher wasn't great but he'd have games where he was defensively incredibly solid and offered so much going forward that sure. it was hard it, it's hard to 
argue against bringing him back next year. I mean, maybe on a different contract. It's a little bit of a, a, a pricey contract, but. Did he, Filter have less giveaways than Polenta? Um, I, I, no, no, Ralph probably did just because the nature of being an attacking wingback is that you'll, you'll give away balls yeah. pretty easily. But again, uh, my argument is like, but then there isn't really anybody for us to put, put there either. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, he's, he's an MLS quality right back. That's perfectly fine. Like that's good. <laughs> um, you, you keep those, uh, Diego Polenta, I think Diego Polenta needs another year. Um, I think he just, he's. Yeah, I'm not ready to kick him out. Yeah, well, I, look, you know. I, w- I was watching film of him from his time in Uruguay and, and, and the other uh, South American leagues that he played in, and I was like, "This is night and day." Like, we got did we get like the the Walmart version of Diego Polenta? Like, <laughs> this guy's a monster on set pieces. <laughs> Old Navy doesn't sell his brand. No, sorry, that's me. <laughs> he is insanely oh, an aggressive defender that wins the ball pretty much every time. Yeah, he's passionate. He wears his heart on his sleeve. But like, I mean, that's fine. I'm, I mean, he's an Uruguayan. Here's an Uruguayan defender. They all do that. Um, he's smart, he's quick, he knows what he's doing, and he's, his distribution was a concern, but it wasn't, you know, that's when you pair him with a, a center back that actually is, is good with his feet, which I think Daniel Starez is. So I think, I think Polenta was one of those MLS players that their first season, they realized that coming to MLS isn't easy. That's very difficult. It so is. I think, I'm hoping that's kind of where we were with Polenta. Um, and I'm hoping, I mean, Giancarlo Gonzalez is coming back was weird because he used to play in Columbus and then went to Italy and he played pretty well in Italy, um, until the last season where it kind of all went for him. I'm worried that it's, it's, it's going for Giancarlo Gonzalez and like, it's, we're, we're hitting the cliff here. Um, I'd be surprised to see Giancarlo Gonzalez back next year. Um, I wouldn't necessarily hate it just as a depth kind of guy to have on the field. Uh, just in case you know you have you have a, an injury crisis at center back, but then you can move Romney into the center back position, and he played my, it very well this season. My concern is again, look, it's off season. Players are going to come and go. I I get that, but I just feel like we're so close to the cup this time around. I mean, it's just kind of frustrating for me to see. Um, I mean, our back line definitely isn't working. Um, but I'm worried that, you know, with so much changes and so many transitions, like, how are we supposed to get back to par, you know, you, you, like have, you can't, you, you can't be like mid, mid season. You have, again. you have a roster that's fully defined or not fully defined just because the summer window is, is a useful window for MLS teams, but you have a, yeah. you have a roster that is very well defined by the beginning of the season. The I mean, I trust DTK and GBS yeah, a lot more now, you know, the thing about it is keep in mind. GTK didn't have a lot of time to really do the research, do the scouting, do everything that he needed to do in order to get this team to be his team. He now has that. He's had that time now. He's had a year while the team was playing. And, and, and of course, I'm not, I'm not insinuating that his, his attention was off the team uh, as it's currently composed, but he definitely was doing work. And I think they'll be armed with a, a lot more targets and transfer targets this offseason that they can definitely work on and, and I definitely think they'll be they'll be looking at two defenders I think a center back and I think they're going to be looking for a left back because I don't think Jorgen Schelbe comes back next year oh <laughs> uh, yeah and you will you will notice I have been ignoring one player in that back line and the less it's said about that handsome Norway Norwegian the better I know right because <laughs> I mean like Jorgen Schelbe baffles me in a lot of respects because he played at Rosenberg when Rosenberg was like tearing up Scandinavia and like they were going to the but Champions. Would you say he was at his prime back then? Well, he was starting in the Champions League group stages consistently. Like 
he was good. Like, and then he, he kind well, of, okay. He yeah, no, go ahead. Out, he thought at Rosenberg cause he asked for, for more money and they just weren't going to pay him. And so, Oh yeah. Talk about, <laughs> then, then, talk about what he got paid here. Right. And then the galaxy went and paid him. Um, oh. And so like, look in this league, especially in, in soccer in general, you, you make it it's, transferring transfer market in soccer is basically, I've always said it's a massive roulette table and you're, betting on the roulette ball to fall on your number. And it's not always going to do that. <laughs> you know, you're not always going to hit, you know, double zeros Absolutely, or whatever. Yeah. And, and I mean, statistically, likely not. Yeah. The Galaxy went, bet the house on Shkelvik and the roulette ball didn't fall on red. You know what I mean? Like, well, what, Yeah. But what I will say about Shkelvik, though, because when I was uh, in Kansas City, I mean, you know, the Galaxy hadn't won there um, in a few years. And then... I mean, Shelvick was there, and I, I did interview him, and he was like, yeah, you know, coach trusts me and put me back, put me back in. And in that game, I mean, he did do this job, you know. Yeah, he, he had moments this season where you're like, yeah, this, guy, this guy's got talent. That's, that's, I'm not disagreeing with that at all. I'm more, I'm, more, I'm, I'm more thinking, well, how long can you wait for the Jorgen Shelvick that supposedly was so good at Rosenborg to show up? Or you with that contract hanging over your head, you know, like how, how long can you wait in a in a salary capped league to continue to eat that contract and hope that everything's going to turn out well. And I, I, I it's been two years and I, I don't think the galaxy can have the patience to wait for it to turn it up, to turn no. out third year. No, we're done. Especially if um, we're contenders for the cup next year. Cause I really, I really do feel it. Yeah, I agree. Um, and then just a, a, a quick thought to Julian Araujo. I was his first professional season. Um, I mean, for being 18 and, and being tasked in, in some of the galaxy's biggest games, he stepped, he stepped up. I mean, he made, he made 18 year old mistakes at times, but I mean, sure. that's what you're going to do when you're 18 years and, old. And you there's know? only one way to get better is to practice is to play. Exactly. And to, and to be put in those high pressure situations and, and, and make those mistakes. I thought, I thought the way that GBS used him as kind of a, almost a defensive winger in that first game against LAFC at home was one of the more brilliant tactical moves I've seen this season. And he was, he was fantastic in that game. I mean, he shut down that side of the attack for LAFC, which was at that point, their, their strongest side of the attack. And, and, and I mean, he, he held it with a composure that, you know, I, I thought he was a lot older than 18 in that game. You know what I mean? Like he, yeah. he, did, he did handle it with a, with a certain level of, of, of class and, and excellence. And it was, it, I mean, the, yeah, I, I think he's going to be, I, I'd say to Galaxy fans, enjoy him while he still is with the Galaxy. I was going to say. I think he's got a career that's maybe going to involve a European jaunt or Absolutely. maybe a jaunt to a, a, a very large Mexican club. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, you know, shoulda, coulda, woulda um, started Felcher for the playoff game against LAFC and then would have liked to have seen Araujo come in. Yeah, I, I would have liked to see Araujo in that game too. I think... I think they were because if you you notice that Araujo and Alvarez both didn't even make the bench in these games. Yeah. And I think what and 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 I I understand GBS's thinking on this, which is that you know what kills a kid's confidence more than making a major mistake in a playoff game where the stakes are so high, especially now in single elimination. I think we would have seen Araujo at some point had it been you know a two leg had it been the old two leg system. Mm-hmm. But I think because yeah. single elimination, I think I think GBS did that to protect them rather than anything, you know, kind of like I don't rate you. I think it's I think it was more to protect kind of their confidence and 
and protect, you know, like, and keep them in a good headspace to move forward next year and, you know, in the years to follow. And that's what coaching is. It's managing your young guys. I mean, you know, we didn't get to see Efrey and Alvarez come back either. Um, but when they're that young, yeah, you got to be able to, you know, get them used to, used to everything, used to, you know, even talking to the media. So, yeah, exactly. And, you know, and I think they're in a, in a good environment where they've got a good combination of older guys and especially guys that have been around the galaxy for so long that understand the import of what the galaxy are to MLS that I think they're, I think they're in a good learning environment. Um, and Yeah. And, and no doubt previous it, galaxy players are, are talking to these guys. Oh yeah. It, it, it's helpful when, you know, your alums that come and visit are like David Beckham and Landon Donovan. Like I that, know, right? That, that <laughs> don't hurt. Um, but yeah, I thought, uh, I mean, I'm excited to see what happens with Araujo uh, over the coming years. Um, it's just, it's, you look at this defense and, 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 and it's a mystery because like you look at the, the, the resumes of some of these guys and you're like, just how did, how did this happen? Like on paper. Wouldn't you say though, that it was like, this is like the third season of bad defense though. Yeah. But, but in MLS, you can, MLS is kind of back to, back to my, my casino analogy. Um, basically, or my, I guess my gambling analogy is it. Well, yeah, because I said like earlier, like uh, hands, you know, cards that were dealt. So yeah, <laughs> here we go. Considering the the way that the salary cap is, you bet low or you buy low, but hope that you know, like for defenders, you're betting on the you're not betting on the surefire winner of the horse race. You're betting on the fifty to one bet and hope that it comes up good. And not every single time it's going to come up good because what gets people in the door, like a really good center, a, a high class international center back isn't going to get the average fan in the door. It's there's lots of Ibrahimovic's of the world that score goals yeah. that are flashy, that are fun to watch. Good center back is none of that outside of maybe well, like Sergio Ramos, you know, right. so like, I mean, Shelvick was paid what, um, how much, how many million? 1.6 million. I mean, the galaxy are not short on dollars. Yeah. And, and I think the role filter, Jorgen Shelvick contracts, point to the old way that the galaxy had operated for two years when they were kind of scram like the two years of missed playoffs where they were scrambling to, to figure out what, like, I think missing the playoffs and finishing last that year in 2017 Ugh. was such a punch in the face to the galaxy that they did not know how to react. Cause it was just like, we don't, this doesn't happen to us, you know, yeah. like, not the, how does this happen to us? And so I don't think they, I think they panicked. And um, I, I, I think Next season, now that the play, now there seems to be a lot more sense of calm around the team. Now that you know, back in the playoffs, we had a really good building block. I mean, the season's a success because they won on the road in the playoffs. They were the only team in MLS to do that, you know. Oh yeah. Like, like you said, like there were there were moments of brilliancy. You know, we did have a seven-game undefeated streak at one point. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the Galaxy, you know, didn't pitch a ton of shutouts, but they did pitch a few shutouts this year. So like. I'm not I, like the defense needs work. And I think that's going to be the the main area where, where the hard hats come out and the construction kind of, kind of gets to work, but. And that's where fans patience. I, I understand it's asking a lot of us <laughs> to be patient. <laughs> you know, we've been patient for six years now. Um, but like, you know, it, it is what it is. And we knew that, that this was a transition period. We knew um, that our defense was our weakest link. Um, you know, you can name those specific links, whatever the case, but we knew this. And so, you know, it, it unfortunately just was a 
big thing that we couldn't like you know get past uh against lafc period there there are structural there are structural positivities i think in, in the galaxy defense that were overshown by individual moments of error and i think the, the focus in the offseason for GBS and, and for the entire team is going to be eliminating those individual moments of error to allow the system to take over. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, it's just, it's hard looking back, like I said, you know, preparing to record and, and getting ready for, for future uh, pods that we're doing. You know, looking back on an entire season is, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of material there. And I'm just looking back at my uh, MLS female articles and I'm just like you know it's it's one article after another defense this defense that lack of creativity uh, lack of communication you know yeah it's and like how many times could I keep writing about that you know they're going to need one of the center backs in the back next year to step up and be a vocal leader I don't think we had one on the line and I I have a feeling it's time for Steris to kind of take that leadership role in the center back position because he's, he's never really had a chance to do it because it's usually been, you know, he's been paired with better center backs, but now he's got to step up and be the guy. And I think if he can step up and be the guy, be the vocal, you know, vocal leader of this, of this line next year, I think the galaxy are, are going to be in a much better place defensively. Agreed. I want to get to that question mm-hmm. you, you sent me from the uh, Instagram about that. Oh yes. Just let's let end on a kind of a fun positive note. <laughs> let, let's 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 I so you guys I tried to respond to the questions that's on Instagram, which by the way uh, we are simply soccer underscore underscore one two three four, and you know the the app kept crashing, so I wasn't able to. But the question came from or came as new kits for our 25th season. Something special y'all would like to see. And I went into the archives. <laughs> of my articles and and Twitter to find um, the since 96 colors from July 19th match. Um, And and I would like to see some kind of throwback colors. Um, You know, I've got my, I've got my 96 since 96 uh, scarf. Um, I got another scarf with the, with the gold and the green. And uh, yeah, I just want some kind of homage to that. There is only one correct answer to that question. And it is, the current jersey we have, but the sash, yellow and uh, yellow and green. There you go. That oh, that would be mic class. drop. Boom. <laughs> that would be class. I mean, I'd love for them to go full '96 and do the OG '96 kit, but Adidas will never release that because no, they won't it, do that. That's why I said like so aggra- the it's so like it's the so aggressively '90s that I think Adidas wants to forget that time. <laughs> I think I think both Nike and Adidas like look at the uniforms for every sport they put out in the '90s. They're like, oh god. <laughs> Is Herbalife supposed to stay a sponsor? Uh, yeah, they, I, they've signed like a 15-year deal or something. It's, okay. it's going to go out. I mean, like Dignity Health Sports Park is now like the thing for the next 13 years. So I'm, I'm just waiting for that uh, um, that Herbalife uh, sponsorship to end so we can get SpaceX. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that, uh, yeah, that is fun. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, questions you guys and look we're always available on twitter uh please please get at us you know um simply soccer underscore underscore um yeah i'd love to hear questions comments concerns uh, i'm an english teacher by day uh for international students and whenever i'm teaching and i just kind of pause after i i speaking of nag nag news news across the galaxy oh yes I'm, I'm we gotta almost forgot this and i, I... <laughs> 
I'm so glad you reminded us. Yeah, well, because I'm talking about teaching, and they came out with uh, what their album debut would look like, and they did a photo shoot with uh, Alex Calderon, aka First to Five, and ours is the the last one on the track, and it's Teach You Something, featuring Simply Soccer. And that, so- <laughs> that cover photo, by the way. <laughs> I don't even care if this album never came to fruition. That photo cover for an album is so sweet. <laughs> and look, the reason that they don't have socks, okay? Like, I did a photo shoot with First is Five, uh, you know, with them for another project. Uh, but I'm allowed to use my own photos, so, you know, but I had to download the high-res, and I'm trying to figure out how to put them without screenshotting. But uh, long story short, it's like that wall that's all white, you can't walk on it with shoes, you know? Uh-huh. So you have to take off your shoes for the photo shoot. Um, yeah, so as an English teacher, I'm always saying to my students, questions, comments, concerns. So get at us, guys. Thanks so much for listening again. Uh, and we'll be back uh, next week with the mid- with the midfield review. Stay tuned.